The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, stop expecting me to come up with jokes at 6 a.m. and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Jeff Maciolik, here to announce show number 185 with guest Mark Miller, recorded live Thursday, July 13, 2006. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering a whole suite of on-site and remote classes in .NET 2.0 technologies, online at www.franklins.net. And by Telerik RAD Controls, the most comprehensive suite of components for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications, online at www.telerik.com Support is also provided by Developer Express, crafting first-class tools, frameworks, and controls for the .NET developer. Improve your experience online at www.devexpress.com And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com And now, the man crazy enough to trust me to make this intro funny, <laughs> Carl Franklin! Thank you, and welcome to .NET Rocks. Uh, unfortunately, Richard Campbell's not with us today. Uh, you know, it's about time, in- Carl, you came to your senses and made me co-host of this show. Hey, who are we interviewing today? I heard it was some guy named Rory Calhoun or something like that. It's it's Rory Blythe. Ah, Rory Blythe, of course. I remember the young lad. I believe I interviewed him in one of my previous hosting gigs on this great .NET Rock show of ours, Carl. Uh, hi, Mark. Excuse me, Mark. Hi, but, Rory. Um, so, Rory, Mark. I'm sure our listeners want to know all the latest gossipy details. Like, like, how tall are you? Do you have any Mark. allergies? And where exactly do you stand on romantic walks in the park? Mark. Do you really enjoy them like it says here on your online profile on hotyetstillsingle.com? Or do you simply consider them as a means to justify the end? I'm, I'm actually pretty sure I'm not listed on hotyetstillsingle.com. Oh, really? So you expect our audience of astute podcast listeners to believe that you are not indeed Mr. Ann Bonaparte, self-described as tall, dark, handsome, and extremely generous to the right lady, and quote, it's not only my nose that's big, and looking for classy ladies who like to wear shiny clothes, chew gum, and hang out near street lamps after dark? Oh, oh, well, yeah, I mean, well, no, that is me. Hey, hey, Carl, how do you like my hard-hitting interview approach so far, eh? pretty awesome, eh? Uh, it's just like 60 minutes and I'm that old guy on the show. 
And you're like the production assistant. And while you were getting me some coffee, we just surprised uh, Rory in his office. And guess what? He's shredding documents that prove he was involved with Mark. the great donut shortage of 1987. I told you you'd never regret the day you finally decided to make the Millinator co-host of the show. Actually, Mark, Rory is the co-host this week, and you are the guest. Uh, sorry? As you have always been the guest. I was never the co-host? No. What about the host? I was the host once, right? No. Oh. So, uh, Rory, my apologies for that. I'll make sure we edit that out of the show. And as I said, Richard Campbell's out of the country. He's climbing Mount Fuji in Japan, and we'll be returning back to his homeland shortly. Um, and before I welcome Rory as my co-host, I'd also like to say that we were scheduled to have a product announcement from Microsoft this week, and some last-minute mix-up in Redmond with the blue badges uh, prompted us to insert this show into the schedule. So next week, God willing, we will have the announcement, the product announcement from Microsoft. So I'd like to welcome Rory Blythe back as my temporary co-host. He's here uh, recording some some stuff in the Pwop Studios with me. How you doing, Rory? I'm doing fine, um, considering that you're overworking me and sticking me inside of a little tiny sound booth on a really hot day where it's really sweaty, humid, and hot. Uh, you can always ask for your money back, pal. Yeah, didn't get right. any money, so... Well, it's good to have you back. I know that a lot of... Uh, a lot of listeners are surprised to hear your your voice. I know. I've looked at the charts. I've seen the line that goes straight down as soon as I left. I know how it works. So. <laughs> and of course, we all know that Mark is uh, Mark Miller is the guest. The guest, Mark. Sorry about that, Carl. That little faux pas at the beginning there. What's on your mind? Oh, you know, nothing really. I got nothing, Carl. All right. So, have you downloaded anything cool lately? <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I've downloaded nothing. <laughs> I unplugged myself from the internet. I've just been sitting here looking at my screen. Actually, this guy's a jerk. Yeah. I'm serious. All right. Before you turn off the show, listener, this isn't a normal show for us, but we do have some content. Mark, you've been telling me that uh, you're very concerned with discoverability issues. Um, yeah, we can talk about discoverability. Um, discoverability is is something actually that I've recently discovered is a very big deal. You know, it, it kind of gets to this point of how hard and how, pa how hard you work on the code and how passionate are you about it. And, and if you are, and you write a feature that nobody uses, your customers don't use, then you're essentially spinning your wheels, wasting your time, right? Your, your yeah. customers don't know it. And, uh, you know, they're not as deeply, you know, in bed with your product because they're not using the, the, the features that you work so hard on. So, you know, one of the things that, that I realized is that, uh, discoverability is very, very key. It's very important to customer satisfaction. Uh, hey, hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Um, just a minute here, right? This is Roy. And you know, I'm stupid, right? And I haven't been on the show in a long time. So, could you just like sum up discoverability in in one short Mark Miller, you know, kind of crack inspired paragraph? <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> I need some discoverability, man. Um, yeah, discoverability is essentially the clue that tells your customer uh, that the feature is there. How That's easy is it for them to figure out where the feature is? Nobody reads manuals anymore. Right. Nobody's well, going to read the manual. Nobody's going to read the help file. They want to just look at the software and figure out how to right. operate it. No, you're right. Nobody uses no. Nobody goes into the help. It's a last resort because it takes so long and it really it just it 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 disrupts the flow. Uh, you know, realize there's already a flow disruption at the time that there's a question about the feature or something that they want. Um, uh, also, times it may not they may not even know that that the feature exists, you know, and, and they may not even be in a mood to explore. 
Um, menus, I think, were probably one of the most significant discoverability inventions that have, has occurred in our field. Back before right? people had to just kind of guess what the application did, right? Well, they had to read the manual, right? You know, what are the commands? Or they had to do the slash question mark at the DOS prompt to see mm-hmm. what the help was, to see what parameters it accepted, sure. right? So, so menus come in and now somebody can grab a mouse and click on it and get a sense of what the application can do. Um, Tooltips are a uh, discoverability invention that also is pretty significant. It tells you what the button underneath the mouse does, right? Yeah. So, so, so tooltips in the mouse, those are useful. Um, uh, and, you know, we had a product that uh, had a lot of features, but the features were not, in order to find the features, you had to go into to the manual. Yeah. And uh, with the recent update that came out about two weeks ago, we added a, a training window that essentially watched as you worked. And, uh, and based on the context, based on, you know, the, the context being, you know, where you are, uh, what you're trying to do or what you, you know, what you've done so far, based on that, it's, it makes suggestions for what is available. And it, I it should also up. say, Mark, right now, I, you know, that, um, I didn't introduce you because, uh, you know, you've been affiliated with the show for a long time. But in case you don't know who Mark Miller is, he is the, uh, and forgive me if I get this wrong, you're the chief architect for the tools division of Developer Express. Yeah, I think that's about right. That's so you're responsible for Code Rush and Refactor architecture. Right, so right. So I do developer tools. And, and so the, the product I'm talking about is Code Rush. Which is we, we, and and one of the things that we added was this was were these things were dynamic templates, and dynamic templates are kind of uh, uh, it's kind of like a mini language I guess you would call it strictly for writing code, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and I guess that sounds a little scary, but we created this this training window to essentially show the language as it was available to pieces as you as you were right there. And um, the response from customers was 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 really remarkable. We had, in general, enthusiasm was very very high, and uh, and we had a, a lot of people talking about great features that were in the product before that they were just now discovering for the first time. That that's actually I, I just wanted to jump in and say that uh, um, you know I had taken a look at Coders before, like the first few times I've met you, and when Scott Hanselman once wrestled me to the ground and forced me to watch a Code Rush demo <laughs> at TechEd. Me too. Um, and uh, it looked really interesting, but when I actually installed it on my own machine and sat down and tried to use it, I realized that I was going to have to read the manual. And honestly. I never started using Code Rush specifically for yeah. that reason. So you're saying that if I get this new version of Code Rush and I give it a shot, then it's actually going to help me out a bit. And it's well, going you to. Got me- it. I'm not. I'm not clear quite on the training window. Thing. Yeah, I want. I want, to, I want to understand this more because I'm going to give Code Rush another shot here. But what? Is, what? What do you actually? Is it like a video window, or is it something that just? It's an HTML window. Okay. And for example, if you are inside an empty file, it says. Uh, it, it's got an entry called types up at the top and, uh, next to underneath it, it's got some, it's got the letter C and to the right of that it has the word classes and underneath that it's got, uh, the letter S and to the right of that, the word structs. So it's almost that, like dynamic help then for code rush. Yeah. Except for it's not, you know, I never found dynamic help in, 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 I, I shut that off so fast. But what I just, mean is yeah. dy- dynamically changing. It's su- contextual t- tips. It is contextual yeah. and it changes. So you type in C, it'll say press the space bar to expand and to create a new class. Oh, okay, now that's yeah, pretty cool, that's pretty actually, cool. and that's exactly what I need because I was watching Scott Hanselman, and he could just. 
I mean, to him, Code Rush was a video game, right? Yeah. He just hit buttons and arrows would shoot up and cool things would happen. And right. I, I wanted to be cool like Scott. But then I sat <laughs> down and I felt sort of like a, a you know, a one-year-old trying to learn how to play the piano, you know? Yeah, so, well, I'm, you know, I, I can do the same things Scott can do. And I, I still feel I want to be cool like Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that actually sounds really cool. Yeah, it does. Scott's got some, he's, Scott, Scott Hanselman has got, uh, he's, he's got a cool gene that I don't have. Well, he has a special part of his brain that just makes him a totally different kind of human being anyway. So that's Scott. So how can you uh, limit or or uh, do you have control over how much stuff gets shown in that sure. in that window? Because obviously yes. you could throw everything at somebody and they, they right. would be just as overwhelming as if. Well, that, that was the other trick in this. Is, and that's noise reduction is how do we get it? So just the essence is there. Um, I like and then that there's term. A, well, and the, <laughs> what noise reduction? Yeah. Yeah, no noise reduction. That's exactly what this is all about, Carl. I mean, how many times have you brought up IntelliSense looking for an event and you've had to scroll past all of the properties and methods, but right. all you want is the event, mm -hmm. right? There's no noise reduction there for you. Right, right. Um, and it so, could be just as bad to navigate through an endless hierarchy of crap too, so. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's, and that, it, yeah, so noise reduction is, is a good thing. Noise sucks. It slows people down. And that's why people avoid the help because when they go into the help, it's huge. Yeah. And they got to go search through it. Yeah. So um, uh, that's why they use that as the, as the last resort. Yeah. So a lot of thought went into how, you know, what's the essence? What's the most important thing to teach, you know, the, the, the person who would have this window up, right? The person who's not going to go into the help. What's the most important thing to show them at this particular point in the code? That's not easy. W one of the things we also did is we went into the product and we added more context uh, checking. Things like, as an example, one of the features we have is selection inversion, which will invert uh, a bunch of assignment mm. statements, swap them left and right. Yeah, so I've needed so that. we added a context into the product that said, "Hey, do we have a selection that is that qualifies for a selection inversion?" And if we do, then we show the, the we show the the key binding for that, and it's in the list. Hmm. Does this also we, work with refactor? Um, no, not yet. But it well, could easily, not, right? I say yeah. not yet, like it's going to. It it might. Um, Scott Hanselman actually made that request because he wanted to see the refactorings that were available. Yeah. Um, we actually created a, a plugin for the Logitech G15 keyboard, which has got a little LCD mm. display on it mm. that that shows the uh, that actually shows you the refactorings that are available on the keyboard. So I, on the keyboard, right? Wow. So you don't wow. have, you don't have to bring up the 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 menu. You can just look down. Which that is, is really cool. That is great. It's, it's not bad. Now now, this whole How idea humble. of being it's not bad. Well, it's not bad. The, the, the best thing is a, is a, is a, is a full color display or just more monitor space. Mm -hmm. But, 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 but think about what's going on there. The person is curious to know what refactorings or what features are available in your product, right? So their action, the energy they put into it is essentially to move their eyes a few degrees to look down. And, and that's great accessibility. Right? That's the easiest possible mm -hmm. thing. They don't have to reach for a mouse. They don't have to hit a key. Yeah. They just look down. And, and that to me is, 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 is really where a lot, of some, a lot of our future direction is going to be focused in is how do we figure out what question is on your mind and answer that question for you in this particular area so that if you have a question as you're writing code, you just look and you see the answer. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Inner Workings. Inside Visual Studio, you can take any number of programming challenges on topics as varied as .NET security, message queuing, XML and web services, 
data binding, and object-oriented fundamentals. Once you've completed a drill, the developer interface will judge your code, giving you a thumbs up or thumbs down, and if you fail, it shows you where you went wrong and where you can improve your skills. So I encourage you to go to www.innerworkings.com, download the free stuff, check it out, take it for a test spin, and tell me this isn't the coolest thing you've seen in a long time. You know, as what as it usually happens when I talk to you and you have some new great thing to share, uh, my mind starts thinking about, you know, let's take this, you know, uh, to another place. And what occurred to me that might be of value is if there could be a sort of standard sidecar monitor that might be, hmm. you know, uh, small, maybe five or six inches square or something like this. Meant specifically. Meant specifically for, yeah. for discoverability that you could program to with an API in Windows. Yeah. Well, I think it's good. I mean, the, the, when, when I started working with the Logitech uh, keyboard with its display, my, you know, within, you know, within a, a, a couple hours of programming it, my, my immediate reaction was this thing needs to be bigger. It needs to be higher resolution and it yeah. needs to be in color. Yeah. And, and video help, for example, you know, could play there. Yeah. Yeah. To some degree. I, I, I do agree though, that, a, that a separate display is, you know, built in, built in somewhere or maybe underneath your current monitor, you know, does have value. But I think ultimately what we're going to have is we're just going to have bigger, bigger monitors and people are just going to, you know, set aside a chunk of it and say, this is where I'm going to put in, you know, my panel that's going to teach yeah. me or show me, you know, give me the contextual information that I need for running this product. That makes a lot more sense. And um, because obviously bigger monitors, you can do what you want with it. But I like the idea of having a sort of a standard API. But Carl, you've given away place. too many million dollar ideas on this show. I mean, you, you really have. <laughs> I should just shut up. <laughs> you should just stop. Wait, wait, wait that, you know, Roy, that was a million dollar idea? Look, what, hold Mark, on. I gotta, I, shh, Mark, okay, the, see? See, Carl? I just got to take a note, man. Hold on a second. <laughs> I got to write something did? down. So can I, can I change gears a little bit here? Because I've got a, a, a different question about your product. All right. Is that okay, Mark? Is that okay with yeah, you? Sure. Can we do that? Okay. That's fine. Now, as someone who works for Microsoft now, and, and as a, need, a, a nerd and a geek here, I was about to say a neek. <laughs> um, as, as a nerd and a geek, a I did invent a new word. I'm a neologist. Um, what, what I wonder about is I don't know of any other company, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that does so much work um, um, integrating with the, uh, with the tools with the IDE as you guys do. And I'm wondering how closely you work with uh, with the developer tools uh, division of Microsoft. Like, I mean, how do you guys, how did you figure this stuff out? Because Code Rush is not just like a neat tool, but the way that you guys have it set up, I mean, it's even like visually pleasing. Like, it's kind of satisfying right. to watch it being used. I mean, how in the hell did you do that is my question. Because I've, I've looked at the model myself and I've worked on writing plugins and it's not easy. You know, no, the, well, the APIs that are exposed. It doesn't actually support a lot of the stuff that we are doing. Uh-huh. Um, so... So we essentially had to, um, the way I like to describe it is create a safety net to make this whole thing work. So it's, it's essentially, I guess in its crudest descriptive form, you'd say it's a hack and mm -hmm. it's a, but it's a hack with a safety net that makes it a stable, releasable kind of thing. Wow. I mean, I say hack, I mean, we're using Win32 API stuff sure. and, and I mean, we're using all approved, we're not using anything undocumented or anything crazy stuff like that, but, uh, but, but that's. That's essentially what's going on. So we're doing it. We're just doing a lot. There's a lot of things that are, that are, that are there. You're hooking. And it's a lot of classes or a lot of objects that are working together to ensure that everything is reliable and, and, and is working correctly. 
So you've kind so, of created your own little managed environment for... Well, we have. Well, now both CodeRush and Refactor sit on a third product called the DX Core, okay. which is a, a free product that Developer Express gives away. And it's specifically built for creating plugins very easily. So if you wanted to create something that extended Visual Studio and you wanted to do, you know, some, you know, simple kind of thing, you weren't, you know, uh, well, let me just finish that sentence. If you want to do some kind of, kind of simpler or even sophisticated uh, kind of, kind of add on tool, um, the DX core would probably definitely be the way to go. I would definitely recommend you, you go there because you can do things there that you cannot do through the, through the standard Microsoft ways of extending the product. I like, can imagine, uh, yeah, because the, the Com APIs are, are rather complex, and you've pointed out there's some things you can't even do. So this, this, this product you're talking about, does it expose to managed API, or is it all yeah. native code? Really? No, it's all, it's uh, all managed. How come I never Dude, knew about you, this? You should Dude, watch the DNR TV that I did with Mark, where he actually builds, an, a, by request, a plug-in in an hour. That is awesome. That is yeah. actually really, really cool. So now to kind of get back to my question about how closely you work with Microsoft, do you get to work with the developer uh, tools division and, and make suggestions to changes in the model? I mean, why? I mean, I've always wondered this about our own product. Why don't we have like a managed uh, API that we've exposed for plugging into? Um, you do. You okay, do. You guys do. And that was that was that was created. Uh, well, it's it's been in the works, I want to say, for about two years. But but the reason you probably didn't hear about it is because it was not. When, when people wanted to, to do the, 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 the real deep extensibility of Visual Studio, yeah. they used something called VSIP, which is the Visual Studio integration program. That's what program, I'm talking about, yeah. Which, right. was, which is all calm, yeah. C++ files all over the place, a real pain to work with. But there was a group inside of that team that was building uh, managed interop assemblies. Uh, however, we started CodeRush bef um, before the, those assemblies became available. Okay. So we were, we were essentially on a parallel path creating managed assemblies as well for the DX core. Okay. So, so, so they both exist. The thing is, though, is that the DX core, what's really cool about it is it uses a component centric architecture. So to contrast, if you want to register a command using vSIP, it's a big pain in the butt. There's a lot of code you've got to write. But if you want to do the same kind of thing with the DX core, is there just like drop, a command component? You drop a component on, on okay. the design surface and you set properties and handle events and you're done. Nice, beautiful so, thing. So, so the whole architecture is like that, and so I, I don't, we, we didn't really get into that very much on the DNR TV episode that Carl's talking about because that was really, that was mostly a lot of code writing is what that mm -hmm. was because it was a fairly sophisticated request. Yeah, Mark, let's get back to discoverability for a minute, and and specifically, I want to know, you obviously are the architect, you're the brains behind this thing. Um, did you look at other software, and have you looked at other stuff, and? Did you, you know, have any critique of, oh, that's horrible or, oh, that's good? Did you get some ideas from other, uh, from what anybody else is doing? For example, you know, what do you think of Office 12 um, with their new ribbon? Uh, you know, talk about discoverability. There's a, there's a whole show right there, right? You know, um, I, I, the answer is no, I have not really uh, done a lot of looking at other places for this. Um, in fact, if anything, I've found that, um, uh, uh, you're seeing some of the stuff that we've done come out in other applications. Uh, uh, as an example, one of the one of the things that we do in in Refactor is we have something called preview hinting, and the idea behind it is when you're you're either hovering the mouse or you're using the keyboard on a menu item, and you're over refactoring, like say for example, extract method. What you see in the background on the code is essentially markup that looks like somebody either you know grabbed a pen and you know marked it up. It looks like John Madden with a pen, you know. <laughs> yes, to show you the what the changes are. Around, sacks the half back. 
to show you what the changes are, right? Right. And and the and this is an idea of discoverability where before you commit, see, normally what happens with a refactoring tool is you commit, then you maybe a dialogue comes happens. up and you yeah. you fill out some stuff, you hit okay, and then you see one more dialogue that says, "Here's all the places I'm going to change." Do you confirm yeah. or not? Mm-hmm. You know, and you get maybe a preview of the change in that dialogue, and you click okay or not. And we, you, you know, I I I I'm passionately you know, anti-modal dialogue, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll only throw up a modal dialogue if it's something that is, you know, a real important thing that is infrequently accessed. God by bless the you, sir. Okay. So, so no modal dialogues. So, but we want to have discoverability. Right. So, so instead of forcing the user to choose and then showing them what it's going to look like, because I mean, here, let's face it refactorings there's a lot of them we've got like almost 60 in our product right now and and a lot of these have crazy names that are you know if you go with the martin fowler you know approach so like one of the names is like uh replace nested conditional with guard clause if you don't know what that is you're not gonna you're not gonna choose it you're gonna yeah. run away i don't know what that is so but if you hover the mouse over it and you see a preview hint that shows you here's what's going to happen then you are more likely to try it nice and so that's that's the discoverability thing. Now, now I, I said that you, that we're seeing we're seeing some indication that that these kinds of things are showing up elsewhere. Um, in the next version of Office in Word, when you go to change the font, as you move over the font in the menu, the document will change. Nice. To show you what that'll look like. Nice. Mm-hmm. And so the, you're seeing that same kind of discoverability, that preview hinting. It is essentially a tooltip on steroids, is what yeah. it is. Now, hopefully, I'm not going to get sued by anybody who's got a patent on tooltips for this. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but that's what it is. It's functionally the same thing. No, no, I've, 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 I've seen that ribbon in Office 12, and that was one of the most impressive new features to me. So you're saying that that's kind of where you guys are going with, uh, with Code Rush, with yeah. or, or with some of the refactoring, I should say. Well, no, I guess what I was saying that's where Office is going. They're yeah, going. He said Office they're, they're, took a nod from them. It oh, really? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, didn't I just say that? I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what you said. Wasn't that excruciatingly clear? You know, to be honest, I have not actually. I have never seen the ribbon stuff. Every time it's oh. been shown at a keynote at a conference, I've been like at the booth. Oh, that's uh, too bad. It's actually really cool. It's it's incredibly cool, actually. Rory, educate us. Okay, the, it's uh, the idea is that, um, for example, now like if you want to change the font in in Word for a particular paragraph, you actually have to go through and change that font. You know, you got to go up to the combo box and you got to select the font, and you can see in the combo box what the font looks like, but you don't know what it's going to look like when it's actually applied to your document. Because your document has specific font sizes and, and other styles associated with it. So what you right. do instead is you get this cool little uh, uh, ribbon, this cool little window, where you get to hover over which font you would like, and it will, in real time, it will dynamically change the font of your Word application so that you think can Mark see exactly what it's going to look like. Well, yeah, but you told me to educate you. All right, educate no, we, but you. No, know what, we, we you can know cut what? that out of the show. That's no, not no, well, no, no, hold on. No, yeah, okay, hold on. Please. I think it's good. The thing I was going to say, Roy, though, is... Is, is this is great, great stuff. It really is. It's great for the user because it, 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 it lets them go in and, and, and more deeply bond with the application that increases their yeah. level of satisfaction. That means they're going to come around and be your customer next time and they're no, less likely true. to leave. That's true. My well, sister is a Mac person and she said that she saw a little bit of Office 12 and, and she's talking about switching. So, I mean, there you go. There's a context sense of nature to the ribbon, as I'm told, right? Yeah. As you move around, the buttons that are available change. Right. Right. Which yeah. is very important. So, yeah. so it's again that's noise reduction, right, yeah. Carl? We don't have like forty buttons across right. the top anymore. Yeah. And uh, now the one thing I, that you notice is the menus are like gone, right? They're not gone. You can uh, well, kind of like They're just a, sort of buried. Have you used IE seven? Yes. For example, it looks like the menus are gone, but you hit Alt and then and the menus show up. I'm not sure if Office twelve is going to behave in the same way. So Alt but, uh, is the magic key that nobody's going to know. 
that uh but well the thing is though in ie 7 a lot of the time you don't need to use the traditional menus that's something that you would do if you were like hardcore and you wanted to do something like um but you I've know, had this problem where I've, I've, you know, when I first started using IE7, it was like, how do you do, where's the freaking menu? Like, it, it isn't very obvious as yeah, to where Yeah, in Microsoft, we call are. that user error. No, no, no. I call it a lack of discoverability is what yeah, I Yeah, but call I'm it. a stockholder and I work for the company and I call it user error. <laughs> what but do you think you, about that, Mark? But you, you I can mean, be right. You got to know, you got to know that you have to press the alt button to get. You know, the I did it by need. accident, so I, I don't. I, know. I think Roy's right. It's user error. That pretty oh, much was striking me as <laughs> user error, man. Any other no, questions? No, I actually, the show. you I, obviously don't have a lot of uh, Windows ninety eight customers, you know, or Windows there, 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 there actually is a reduced, users. simplified menu off to the side for IE seven. Right, and if you want the traditional menu, you can get to it through Alt. Yeah, but you can still do hey. everything pretty much to that simplified menu. What? Hey, what guys? I just I thought of something important that I want to talk about with oh, discoverability. Cool. Okay. okay. Well, it has to do with discoverability and noise reduction. So we created this training window, right? The thing is, this training window is is essentially it's 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 built for the lowest common denominator. In other words, the group, the union of all the customers, right? It's built for everybody. Yeah. But but what's missing from it is the ability for it to learn from your own usage of the product. Um, hey, you know what? He was in this situation. The context was available. He hit the hotkey and he hit it within like 0.25 seconds. He knows this hotkey. Yeah. Let's now move on to the mm. advanced level okay. stuff. So it doesn't have that yet. And I really want to build that in. That um, is cool. Yeah. It, it, to, in other words, to, to make it so that, so that I, I want to have advanced customers coming back to me, you know, after a couple months of usage and say, whoa, I just found out this, you know? That sort of thing, and so I really, I really want that discoverability panel to to continue to relieve, reveal little gems as the as the de- as the developer gets better and better at using the product. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Developer Express, crafting first class tools, frameworks, and controls for the .NET developer. Improve your experience online at www.devexpress.com. This reminds me, actually, of a suggestion that I made that some one of my blog readers turned into a little product. Uh, it was a couple of years ago, and I had sort of come to this idea where, you know, making user interfaces that have three levels, like, you know, newbie, I remember that. Yes. newbie you know, intermediate, and expert. And I know that you have that in your um, UI, Mark. But the whole idea was that you could drop this extender provider on a, on a form and then it gave a property to all of the controls as to what level it was at. Yeah, cool. And idea. then simply by setting the level, those things were enabled and disabled or, vi- or you know, vis- visible and invisible. So, you know, just by one line of code, you could sort of crank up the UI. And I remember I had a, a whole bunch of people comment on it on the blog, including Alan Cooper, who said I was a freaking idiot. <laughs> Cooper said that? Yeah. He said, he said, I, he said you don't get it. I thought it was brilliant, but there were a lot of naysayers for some reason. Cooper's a hack. Whoa. <laughs> That's right. I'm going down. Go down on the record for it. Cooper, you're a hack. I think you're going to be visited by the guys in the black suits. The All right, you and me, hair. man. Mono and mono. <laughs> no, Cooper actually is very good. He's, he's, he's come up with some great ideas that, that I've, uh, I've tried out for real. And, yeah. uh, and, and most of them are pretty good. Um, one of them was not as good. And I was, it was one of those things where I was like, just kind of blindly doing it. I was like, 
you know what, this kind of feels good, feels good, feels good. And I did it, you know, and it kind of looked good, but I was really more, I was, I was seduced by the sexiness of it rather than the usefulness of it and ended up cutting it from the product. I just was like, you know what, I was pushing it too hard. Um, so yeah, Mm. I'm I'm kidding on about that. Yeah. Um, Don't, don't hunt me down. (laughs) Well, it was interesting that one of the blog readers actually did turn it into a very easy to use DLL uh, assembly, and it is still up there on my old blog. Maybe I'll find a find it and post uh, a link to it. I think that the future, to me at least, for usability is with applications that 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 learn how how well you are consuming them and uh, adjust their assistance appropriately based on based on your usage. Um, I think yeah. that there's, I think there's definitely potential. There's potential there to create a, a more satisfying experience for the for for the customer. I agree. It's got to be tricky to program that kind of stuff because you know there, you have to assume a lot about the user. It changes know. the architecture from the beginning. Yeah, well, so, I, was, I was wondering about that. I mean, how do you do this without bringing the whole system to a grinding halt? Because it seems like you have to be constantly monitoring what's going on and keeping a lot of information. You know, I, I don't. Just, performance in general is not uh, that big of a deal. I think uh-huh. that there's probably. Um, I think to some degree, uh, um, there's, there's, there's memory usage. Uh, but I think even that you can, you can work out to be pretty efficient. You can say, mm-hmm. look, how many times have they used this feature? You know, what's the, yeah. what's the time between availability and the time they use the feature? In other words, cause I think you can get a good, good, good sense if, if I've got something available and it takes the customer, you know, uh, you know, two to five seconds to, to, to hit the hotkey versus it takes them a quarter of a second. You know, those two distinctions, I think you can make some conclusions based on that. And if you just track a few things on that, a little bit of data, I think you can keep memory usage pretty efficient. Um, there have been one of the things, though, um, uh, that we've had to battle internally with context is there have been some cases where context does take a while to resolve. And hmm. um, and and it's frustrating in those situations because you usually have to go to like a, a background thread if you're going to uh be really efficient or sim- simply right. maybe not make something available for a while while you're in that background thread, you know, trying to figure something out. Um, a, a good example is um, uh, uh, optimize uh, namespace references like in your imports or using statements um, to, to find out which ones are not used and redundant. You have to resolve every single type in the source code. Yeah. Uh, and if you're, if your file is big, that can take a couple seconds yeah. to do that. Right. Uh, and so it may, there may be a delay for a couple seconds before we find out if we're available or not. And what do we do during that time? Well, we don't want to show an hourglass. We want to let the user work. So, you know, the, but, but there are challenges like that that are a little bit frustrating for me personally, because it's like, God, you want to have that information instantly. And, you know, what's the quickest time that we can get it? It's not quite as quick as you want it to be. So, with so at least today's machines. What do you do if, uh, if you aren't showing the hourglass? I mean, do you just show nothing or do you say like uh, yeah, uh, the documentation right, is being built or what do you say? You know, right now we don't show anything, um, mm-hmm. uh, but I really like the way that uh, IntelliSense says, hey, you know, the background cache is being built. Right. Just hold your horses. We'll be here in a minute. Yeah. Um, but we don't show anything now. Right now, the delay, um, I'll give you a good example of where this where this is currently affecting, at least in the, the builds that I've got internally. And this is for Refactor. And that, this is one of the, um, uh, one of the, the 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 new refactorings that's coming out with in 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 this latest release of refactor which is coming out like this week um or the week we're recording this uh is a cross file rename of 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 members but mm. but if you open up a large project like we've got a large project it's got about a thousand files in it i think and each of those classes is you know easily got uh you know uh 
several hundred lines of code, some up to like 4,000 lines of code. I think it's our largest class. It's going to uh, take and, a while. Yeah. And, and it takes about 20 seconds after you start up and you load for the first time before that rename refactoring is available. So the other ones are all available, but the others, it other, the other, the, the, that rename refactoring in particular is not available, does not show up on the menu for about 20 seconds. You, you can still work, right? Cause it's all happening in a background thread, but, uh, it's not available. And I'm, I'm struggling with how exactly, uh, are we going to solve this for somebody who, who opens up a project and wants to immediately rename? Right. And, and I, 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 I've got kind of an okay answer, but I don't have a perfect answer. Yeah, but 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 a, a project of that size, though, I mean, that's not that's not average. You know, that's a pretty large project. What you're talking I would, about there, I would say that probably about ten to twenty percent of all .NET Visual Studio developers have got projects that are that big. Really, I would say mm-hmm. I would say a good chunk of people are working in in big projects or even bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the you know one of the things that I like to do is I like to collect really large files. It's kind of my hobby. So if <laughs> okay. I if, if so, if if I talk to a customer and they're saying, well, you know, I've got a perf issue or something like this, I say, well, okay, can you send me that file? So yeah. so you know, and, and then we also have have stuff that generates files as well for us that are just very very large source code files, so mm. we can do stress testing. Interesting. Okay. Along those lines, Mark, um, as far as discoverability in other products that uh, that you have, do you have any ideas for any of your other tools? Um, is this uh, is this you know this side window this training window going to be a, a standard feature of all of your tools does it only does it only apply to code rush what's uh, what's the story there you know what let me tell you i, I want to uh, l- let me divert off track and i'll answer that question in just one second because okay. during your question i something occurred to me that was important that i want to say uh, okay. re- in, with regards to discoverability and there's one other thing that we did that was very successful and that was we put a uh, a training videos menu item under our main menu so when they go in the Dev Express menu, like the fourth item down is training videos. They choose that item. It opens up a URL right inside Visual Studio, and they can now start running the training videos and hmm. see the ones that we've created. Um, I was talking to Scott Guthrie, who's uh, who works over with the ASP.NET guys in uh, in Visual Studio. Yeah, we've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know if you know this guy or not. And it, anyway, I he was telling me about all the training videos that they had, and I said, uh, you know, you. I would strongly suggest you put a menu item in the product for the next version so that it says, uh, so that they can do the training video, so that, so that customers can go in and just get right to the page if they right, want to. Right, right. Um, so, so with that digression, I, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm on the verge of one more digression before I answer your question, but <laughs> you know what, uh, let me, let me, let me, uh, actually, well, let me respond I, to that while you're thinking of this, right, because, you know, this is video help and training videos is, is another good thing, but um, it can be very frustrating, especially if it's not quite what you're looking for. You know, you have to sort of be very, uh, you know, positive that you're getting the right video, and especially well, I think, if you're... I think granularity can solve that problem, Carl. Like, like one of the things yeah. that we try to do is we try to keep the videos focused, so just show one thing and keep them down to like five minutes. You know, if we can get a training video to like five or six minutes... That's like great for us. That's a that's a nice little small chunk that somebody's willing to watch. Um, so we've had a lot of good feedback about those. And I and and I, I was talking to Scott, and he was saying the same thing with their training videos. They had a lot of great feedback, but people have got to go know where the site is, right? right? They've got to go out and find it. And again, you've got this discoverability issue, and they can solve it with a single menu item. Yeah. So so I really hope to see that. Now, one more digression, because you asked me earlier, how closely do we work with the VSIP 
with, with the Visual Studio integration guys. And I didn't really answer that question. No, you um, really didn't, Miller. <laughs> yeah, I've been kind of, and I just realized that. And I, the, the answer is, um, it, it varies sometimes very, very closely. There have been times when we've been in there, um, with, you know, the people that are directly working on the editor system mm-hmm. and, uh, where we've asked them questions about something and they've done the research and they've come right back and give us the answer right there. So we're right there on site with them as part of, uh, our, our membership in, in the Visual Studio integration program. We have the ability to go up and attend special labs that they have up there hmm. specifically for this purpose. So sometimes very closely and sometimes, you know, we, we just bypass it because there's nothing there. We know there's nothing there. Right. And we just bypass yeah. it. So, so that's the answer to that question. Finally, Carl, you asked me, now I've digressed twice from your question. <laughs> I want to get back to answering it. And you said, and I, and I, and I think I've almost completely forgotten. It was something about, uh, oh, other products and wh- where we're looking for in terms of those directions where we're right, going right. with discoverability. Well, the preview hinting for Refactor is huge. We're going to keep, we're going to exploit the heck out of that and go forward in that direction. Um, the training window is also very good too. I think though that what's going to happen is that's going to probably stay a code rush only feature. Uh, and, uh, we might show the refactorings that are available in that. Um, we might create a separate tool window for that. I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah. Cause um, I guess, um, it sort of takes the place of IntelliSense because code rush isn't really something where you're programming against objects. You're really hitting keystroke macros. So you need something IntelliSense like, yeah, that right. doesn't quite fit. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've got some objections to, to, to some of the ways that IntelliSense works. I mean, it, you've got to realize it's a very challenging problem to solve. You want to give people a list of options, but you want to get it close to where their eyes are looking, right? So you want to put it up where the carrot is in the editor, right. the, you know, the flashing cursor, the, the carrot. You want to get it up there, but you don't want to hide code at the same time. So you've right. got all of these, all of these conflicting um, constraints, and it's really hard to achieve a good balance in mm. there. Um, so, but, but the thing is, is I knew that we could not do it with IntelliSense. We couldn't solve it with a pop-up window. It had to be dedicated on the side. I knew because of the amount of data that we had, that was potential to show there and we didn't want to hide code. And, and the other thing is because it's discoverability, we wanted to allow people, if they wanted to see it, they just look. And if they don't, they look away. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't even, they don't even look at it. I think I know the answer to this one, but what do you think of like semi-transparent windows and things so you can sort of see what's underneath. I mean, I think that turns uh, the the screen into more confusing yeah. mush. You know what? I want to personally. say one thing on the on on this because if if, if for the listeners out there who listened to my last appearance here which was I think Mark Miller wraps it up. I uh accosted uh uh Richard, is that a word accosted? I think it is. Um It is. You're I, probably using it wrong, but go ahead. I I, <laughs> I, I it's never stopped me before, Rory. I I I just totally uh, uh, ripped Richard Campbell a new one because of his passion for uh, um, uh, semi-transparent windows. Yeah. And but the thing was, is I was being I was being pretty close-minded uh, during that that bit. I I was not. I did not even bother to look. Is this right? your long-winded way of saying I'm sorry? I was wrong. No, I was not wrong, and I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you used the costed wrong. <laughs> I do have a a, a little pang of regret. Okay. Okay. A little pang of regret. I, yes. Yeah. I just. I. 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 The. The. The regret was. Is I. My mind was not open to seeing what. What his. The way he was using it. But in general. In general, I find that there's a. You know, there's a lot of abuse when a new UI ability comes up, like uh, fonts. Sure. When that first came out. Oh, I was God. getting these letters from my mom that looked at first like she was being held captive. <laughs> you know. 
Right, turn she's going off every the purple background. <laughs> turn right? off and, the purple background. And and so like with you know Avalon coming out. Oh, by the way, you know this is another great opportunity. You know, um, because I, I I want to talk about uh, acronyms. Um, just a couple rules. <laughs> GTAC. If you're if you're going to create an acronym, it is not allowed to use the word the letter W in the acronym that has three syllables. W. Okay. W. It's it doesn't count. It doesn't work. So like you got to throw out WPF and WCF. Um, but or, Windows starts with W. How can we do that? Well, I, I know. And then we need a new w- word for Windows. That's what we need, Rory. Well, well you n- know what I've been trained to say, Mark, as an evangelist for Microsoft. Yes, that's great feedback, and I'm going to take that back to the product team. (laughs) 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 So you, another thing that you've um, brought up that you might want to talk about is approaching the achievement of perfection. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I was well. You know, it's occurred to me, Carl. I was looking at one of our features a couple days ago, and I was thinking to myself. This is close to perfect. And for me, it was a feeling of like gr- wonderful satisfaction and almost excitement every time I used the feature. Every time I went in there, I was like, yes, this is exactly what I want. Showing me just the information I need. Um, and it's showing me in a way that's, that's, that's totally clear. Um, that, that, that kind of perfection is what I'm talking about. I think by far 99% of our product is, is far from perfect. I think it's good enough. It's certainly good enough to sell and ship and, and to use as a, as a customer. But I'm really, I'm really aware of just about everything I write. I I'm aware that in five years or in 10 years, I'll figure out a better way to make it, you know, closer yeah. to perfect. Right. And so what I'm, what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to create that thing that doesn't need any changes for like 20 years, you know? And I've, I found it to be extremely elusive. It is extremely, yeah. <laughs> it is extremely challenging. To Let's create. start with the operating system. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm just working in my own domain, and and I just I I guess the thing is is that it is I I really really want it badly. I want it want it badly as a user. I want it because you know I use my own stuff. I, I think I had one guy say to me because you know when, when I use Code Rush, I, I work really fast. I had one guy say to me, he said, Mark, you are the only guy I know that writes code blazingly fast and is extremely frustrated all the while that you're writing it. And it's and it's really really true. So do you I, see this as a as a an asset or a liability? I mean, is this a problem? To me? Yeah. Well, it's is I guess this a character flaw, maybe. Or well, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I did leave my family at a bus stop once because of this. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a, something you go to a shrink for. This portion of .NET Rocks brought to you by Telerik RAD Controls the most comprehensive suite of components for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications online at www.telerik.com. It it just it seems I mean you know no no offense here Miller I mean I I love you to death you know that but it's just I I don't really love you well anyway so it it just seems kind of complicated <laughs> because one of the issues about perfection right is that it's kind of contextual I mean as needs change and as yeah. the system around it changes suddenly that perfect thing becomes imperfect right so I know. how do you I mean you Mark Miller 
would have to like take over the entire tech world and like put a freeze on all or, future or just changes. be able to see the future. That's no, that's a good idea too. That's cool. And I mean that sincerely. I mean, if you have enough vision, I do see the future. And the frustrating thing for me is, is that we are, some of the things that I see are just too hard to write right now. They take too much, too much manpower. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I think for the last, I want to say for the last eight years, I've spent my life thinking, I can't wait till next year when this feature is done. You know, in other words, I know it's coming in the next year and I've been, can't wait. And each year something new comes hmm. in to fill in what's going to happen in the next year. Mark, doesn't um, the pursuit of perfection in software like you're going for, doesn't that like fly in the face of business practices? I mean, isn't the whole idea, isn't the whole idea to have planned obsolescence so that you can get people to upgrade? I mean, if you write it perfect out of the gate, then what have you got? Especially well, if you, if do you a sell it to China or something, Frankly, you know, then, you you're, then you're completely screwed. If you do a subscription model, then, then you're, the, well, then you can keep, you can, well, I don't know. I well, guess if it's to some perfect, degree, yes, why would right. I subscribe? I would well, just buy I, it well, once because and because new be features are coming out. Well, and the other thing, though, is the truth is, is that, is that, and, and I should, I should point this out so people don't think I'm, a, I'm too much of a freak. <laughs> <laughs> too late. No, go ahead, though. Nobody thinks that. I, I, the word perfection in the vocabulary word perfection really only came in to my thinking in the last couple of weeks. Okay. And it was mainly in the experience of this one small little part of this feature. Where I was like, my God, that's it. You know, that just feels so right. Uh-huh. And, 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 and I, it's not like it's been this thing where I've been saying, okay, here's where my threshold is and I've got to meet it now. Sure. I mean, you know, from a practical business sense, you have to release. You have to, you, you, you have to, have, I think, I think what makes sense to some degree, or I think what's good is if you have the goal of, of, you know, you, you, the super high goal. And that's your threshold for what you're shooting for. Right. But then you have this other threshold that you say, this is good enough to ship. You know, this is good enough for, for, for high customer satisfaction right now to satisfy that. And you, right. you, you, but you're shooting for the top one. But as soon as you get above that lower threshold, you say, okay, we can ship it now. Yeah. You know, we, we, we can satisfy it. It's like dating. It's dating. Yeah. Good enough. That's what I'm, I, I agree with that, Rory. I, I, this is how I got my wife. I said, honey, you're going to have to lower oh, your you expectations. Are good enough. Yeah. <laughs> your threshold is too high. Here's <laughs> the problem right here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, are you going to be uh, speaking at any user groups coming up here in the near future? Uh, yeah. Actually, by the time we broadcast it, I'll have spoken to one a week ago. I'm actually speaking one tonight, the LAC Sharp user okay. group. And then I'm. How about I'm, the future, uh, though? Uh, well, in October, I'm going to something in Tennessee. It's called DevLink 2006. Oh, yes. Yes, I'll be there, um, too. Uh, you know, I, I should have had my schedule up in front of me. I just don't. Uh, I, and I I swear I'm doing something else some other time, too. Are and, you going to TechEd Europe, Barcelona? Uh, I don't think Dev I will. I, I think there's something here, Dev Connections at the same time, isn't there? Isn't yeah, Dev Connections at the same time? There's in Barcelona and Dev Connections in Las Vegas yeah. at the same time. So, so I will be at. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be at Dev Connections, and I don't remember why. I don't think I'm speaking there, but there's something else important going on. And I just don't remember what it is. But I'm. But uh, but that's you know maybe I'm it was around. the Dancing Girls at uh, Dancing Girls. Maybe no, no, no Dancing Girls. No? no Ninjas. Maybe okay. I've always wanted Ninjas to Dancing come down ninjas. from the ceiling during Weird. my demo. I, I almost hesitate to ask, um, have you seen anything online that's very cool lately? Or, I mean, I know you don't do a lot of surfing for tools. I mean, you're the anti-Hanselman in that, in that <laughs> sense. But have you seen anything cool that uh, strikes you fancy? A toy, maybe? Uh, 
video um, you game? Know, I, I got know. I got Startup Cop from PC. I think it's PC Tools, and I and I was pretty pleased with it. It it had a yeah. You know, here's the thing, Carl. I mean, I, you probably feel this way as well. You're a software developer. You load up some software, and you're like, ah, this could be a little bit better. Yeah. You know, you mm-hmm. want to change it, but you don't Wish have source I could code. Fix it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I got startup cop and I, it, it, it's, it's, it's not bad though. Um, I, I like the uh, results of that. So that would go in there. And you know what? I want to, if well, I, what, what is I it though? Pl- can you, can yeah, you tell yeah, us about what it? Is it? I mean, we know no, it's I can't name, say but... it. I'm not going to tell you. What, no, what, what no do you think? Is this some sort of interview show? Dude, you're a jerk. <laughs> Just tell me. And you don't know what a cost means. Now tell me. <laughs> I know what a cost means. That's like how much you pay for something. <laughs> Martin Miller's a big jerk. Now tell me. Yeah, a cost, a cost me with a description of what um, this product Startup is. Startup Cop does is it allows you to decide what's going to be starting up and what's not. Oh. So, you know, you like get the what stuff operating that, system or what no, tools? No, no, I'm what? sorry. What, what, you know, like you can have these things that load up into your, you know, I want to run every time and all this stuff. Like, you know, um, I, I think I downloaded iTunes Player and then they've got this thing that says, hey, I'm going to start up every time, this background stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to clean up a lot of the background stuff. And I'm, I actually improved mm-hmm. my startup time significantly because I was having some conflict between Zone Alarm and some other stuff. And uh, there ought to be a getting, law against putting shit in the system tray, don't you wish? Well, without you telling you, well, not well, system tray, but also the just the startup, the just the you know, hooking yourself up to start up every time. McAfee is just an egregious violator of this. Yeah, they they yeah. start up like I want to say four to five different apps, just all running in the background. And I'm just like, it, it makes me wonder: do they do that just to make it harder for a virus to shut them down, or is there something else going on? Is there something different about this from just using MS Config and and uh, you know just deselecting items that have been set to start up? Well, you know, I'm kind of ignorant in terms of all the different things that are available. Does it actually tell you exactly what application each of these startup features belongs to? Because if it does, then in that respect, it'd be better than. Um, yeah, it does. It has some of that information. Hold on, I'll I'll do this. Yeah, it shows me the. It's got a company name. Uh, okay. so, oh, that's cool. so it shows you that. It it's got a couple options. The other thing that's cool about it, Rory, is that you can set things up to start up after a delay. So hmm. so you can say, that's hey, cool. after. After I've been running for about five minutes now, I want you to start this up. Because, of course, nice, the problem yeah. is that everything starts at once at and your system time. just chokes for yes, It's like a hundred people trying to get in the same subway car at exactly. once. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that, that's nice. You can also say things. I, I want this to only start up when a uh, uh, when a network connection becomes available. Oh, that's that good. That sort of thing. That's so, cool. So, that, so that's nice. You know, the other thing that, um, that I, I wanted to plug if I could, actually maybe two things. One is... Uh, I'd, I'd love for people to, to, to take a look at the, uh, the videos, the, that we made for, um, uh, the discoverability videos that we made for code rush, just to take a look at those things that are, that are out there. Um, and you can get to those at, at, uh, slash code rush training. Okay. And, uh, and you can see those training videos. And then the other thing I wanted to say is I just want to kind of announce this is that we are wrapping up, uh, my team is wrapping up, uh, uh, support for uh, C++ refactoring. We'll have a uh, really strong beta of this available very soon. Mm. Uh, and it's really, really significant stuff. I think it's, a, you know, C++ is a very challenging language yeah. to refactor. It's mind-blowingly <laughs> To code, crappy. to read, to deploy, <laughs> yes, to compile. It's, the, right. I mean, you know, and this is almost a topic for another discussion, but languages, are they written for, you know, C++ is a language that was not written for a great design time experience. And in my opinion, that's the future of languages. That's where I think with where I think languages are going to go yeah. so that your design time experience in the IDE is going to be great. And C++ was not written with that regard. It is, it is extremely painful to get all this right. 
and and I'm very proud of the work that our our team has done on the uh, on the C plus plus refactoring stuff. So if you're a C plus plus de- developer, um, uh, watch for it. I guess is what I was saying. Now, Code Rush two O is it out yet? Yeah. Okay. And when did it come out? Uh, about uh, I want to say three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. And just real and quick, if you haven't uh, if you haven't done it, what's uh, what's new and cool? Real quick. Coolest thing are dynamic templates. The coolest thing. So the idea is, if you want to create a, a new hash table, you type in nh in a space bar, and and n is for creating new things, and h is for the hash table, and the you can set up mnemonics for all the types, and we ship with almost eighty mnemonics built in for these types. But you can add your own with the, with a simple mouse click. Hmm. So you can you know you can right click on your own type and you add a new mnemonic. And all the verbs, like N for creating new instances or M for creating methods or P for properties, all the verbs will now work with your mnemonic. Wow. And we also have mnemonics for um, for generics as well. So what happens is if you want to mm. create, like, for example, a uh, say you've added a mnemonic E for employee, you've got a class called employee, and you want to create a new list of employees, there is uh, a sequence of about four characters you can press to create a new instance of that, uh, mm. that... The, uh, initialized to type employee uh, and the training window shows you each of these keys as you press it and also will show you your employee class in that list and says press e if you want employee if you want oh, that's to great. employee. so it's really 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 powerful uh it and and uh i know you said real quick but there's kind of an interesting observation i have i can't shut up on this <laughs> uh one of the things that we're doing with code rush is we're really it, it, this occurred to me in like the last couple 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 weeks. We are essentially in the business of compressing code. We're we're in the business of at least observing ways that code can be compressed. And and so if if there's a short way to get the same thing, a very very short way, then 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 by all means that's going to be part of our product. And 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 what we're hitting up against just now, Carl, I'm calling this the wall. And it's the it's the level at which how efficient you can get before you know you you can't get any more efficient than that, and it's essentially due to the limits of the keyboard. I cannot get any more efficient than one key. Yeah, there's no such thing as a half a key. I can't press half a key yet. Yeah, and so um uh, uh I'm really waiting for that brainwave, you know, control. The now you gotta control. have now you gotta have one key that does like nine million things and it does them all correctly. You'll just based be bitching your... later on though, Mark. You'll be like, now I don't have half a brainwave and I don't know how to do it. Well, that's what I need. Well. The, <laughs> <laughs> the, the the link I wanted to this is I wanted to give you this link because for the brainwave stuff because this let me give you this link because I think you guys <laughs> will love this. It's shrinkster.com slash G as in Georgia, K as in Kilo, nine. GK9. Okay. All right. And if you go to this, the headline is monkeys control robotic arm with brain implants. I knew it would come down to monkeys. Okay. And this is the stuff that they've been working on at Duke University for a while. How many monkeys these- do you need to control one arm? They only one, only one monkey. Like one monkey does a finger, another monkey does a finger. Mm-mm. Do they work together? Is no, no, no. Totally it's a brain control? implant, Rory. It's a brain implant. What if you had an infinite number of them? Would they produce the complete works of Shakespeare? You are mocking me. Well, yeah, that 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 one was a little mocking. Yeah. Sorry. All right. <laughs> and no, they will not. By the way, I had an argument with my, you know, argue, hey, I know you, you don't, guys you, don't have, you don't have to accost okay, Carl man. here. It's you okay. don't have to accost Carl. I, I deserved it. <laughs> It's okay. An argument with our CTO who has a mathematics, you know, major background. And I told him, well, you know, math, it's just, you know, that's just a subset of physics. That's for people who can't handle the units, you know? <laughs> so he, he get a little, got a little irritated with me on that. And I was also telling him that, you know, there was no, that infinity was just a really large number outside your domain. <laughs> 
<laughs> you got pissed off at that one too. So, so anyway, but what was I saying? Oh, the monkey thing. Yeah, the you monkey can, thing. They, they got chips that you can put on your brain, and they they can essentially read your mind just like you would um, do speech recognition. In in other words, they see all the patterns, and they can say, "Hey, you know what? He's moving his arm up and down." That's what these patterns are. Okay, so now you can think it, and you don't have to move your arm up and down. But we still recognize it. One thing that I want to one thing I want to leave us with is that we uh, have thought about and talked about doing a series on DNR TV where we l- called you know behind behind the products or something like that, where we would actually have you um, talking about some of the techniques and the technologies that you use to create your tools, and not just not just Code Rush and Refactor because we've sort of you know talked about them a little bit. Um, but you know, some of the other things that you've done, the De- developer express has a lot of tools mm-hmm. and so well, behind the tools, I think it would called. Yeah. And, and we were going to yeah. do the same thing with data dynamics and Telerik and just, you know, have them, uh, uncover some of their source code and some of their techniques and, and maybe even share a little bit with us. So mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think that'd be a good idea. Don't you? I think, yeah, I think it's, it's got potential to be exciting, man. Yeah, it could be. And Rory, you have, uh. Something you want to plug. I'm plugging. I want to plug. Yeah. Plug away, I want to plug my team, which is the uh, Microsoft MSD and events team. We go around the country to all 50 states and we give free presentations to software developers. And sometimes we even give away things like food and prizes. And the URL to that is www.msdnevents.com slash Rory. www.msdnevents.com slash Rory. Okay, it's free all year round. Pretty cool. So You've done some uh, of your own screencasts too on mobility stuff yeah, with well, tiny things. Well, or? I do. I actually do a lot of things. Like I have a lot of peripheral sort of activities I'm involved with. So I do a lot of user group talks and I do CodeCamp and all that. And 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 uh, recently I did a lot of. Um, I did a bunch of Windows mobility screencasts up on Channel Nine. So if you go to Channel Nine and do a search for the Windows Mobile tag and then go to screencasts, you'll find a series of screencasts where I take you from start to finish. Um, over, over a series of screencasts, each one of which is no longer than 20 minutes because I don't want to waste your time. And I try to break things down uh, to the proper level of, of granularity so that uh, you just learn like one particular feature at a time, starting with how to build a mobile app all the way to how to deal with SQL Server Mobile and remote data access so that you can synchronize between uh, SQL Mobile and a SQL Server instance. And I'm going to be putting more of those up before too long. Sweet. And uh, we'll put links to those on the .NET Rocks page for the show. So... In case you didn't get that URL, just go to the show page and from where you got this file, .nerox.com, and it'll be there. Well, guys, that's a wrap. It was awesome. Thank you, Rory, for stepping in. Thanks for letting me step in. Thank you, Mark, for sharing your brilliance And for accosting us. For accosting us. On that note, we'll see you next week on .NET Rocks. Bye. .NET Rocks can be found online at www.dotnetrocks.com and at msdn.microsoft.com slash dotnetrocks. .NET Rocks is edited each week by Jeff Maciolik, that's me, and Carl Franklin, who is also executive producer. All music heard on .NET Rocks, including Toy Boy, the theme song, is created and produced by Carl Franklin and Franklin Brothers Band. Carl Never Sleeps. .NET Rocks is produced for Franklin's Net by Plop Productions, providing professional audio and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com. Plop, it's time to get your impact back. Toy Boy!